You're listening to Cam's Talk, a podcast brought to you by the professionals and service users from East London NHS Foundation Trust. A podcast where you can hear us discuss, debate and challenge issues around child and adolescent mental health in the UK. Hello and welcome back to the Cam's Talk podcast. This time we have a really interesting interview between uh, Mia, one of our service users, and uh, me, Mark Taylor. Um, I'm one of the eating disorder specialists within the CAMS team. And together, me and I explored issues around eating disorders. And so this gives you a really good opportunity to listen to some of Mia's own experiences with regard to her journey through her eating disorder. And also, uh, she gives some really good advice right at the end of the interview. So make sure you listen all the way to the end. So we're just going to have a little chat about eating disorders, really. Okay. Um, so what what is your role? What's your title? Uh, my my job role is I'm a specialist nurse in eating disorders, mm-hmm. um, and I work within the specialist eating disorders team in CAMS. Mm-hmm. And so you should we start off like with the assessment process because mm-hmm. I remember going in for my assessment, um, and I wasn't sure because obviously CAMS is broad mental health mm-hmm. i wasn't sure mm-hmm. do i just get a broad mental health assessment or is it eating disorder specific so talk me through the assessment process no, that's a good question because a lot of people have that struggle as to as to what it is that's going to happen when mm. they especially when they get that letter from us that says that you're going to be here for two and a half hours um a lot of people yeah. really worry about that well the the assessment to, to answer the first bit of your of your question as to whether it's a specialist assessment um or a generic when you come to our team it's a specialist mm-hmm. assessment um you're there for as i said for around about two and a half hours something Mm -hmm. like that um and uh what we do there is you will meet as a family um Mm -hmm. initially well you'll come as a family yeah um we then decide with you whether um, you have the whole appointment with with your family Mm -hmm. or whether you the the family needs time on their own without you or whether you need time on your own without your family yeah um and so we can kind of do it it's different for different families as they come through yeah but in essence what we're looking to do is to um assess whether you have a specific eating disorder Mm -hmm. and when we're talking about a specific eating disorder we're either talking about anorexia nervosa mm-hmm. um bulimia nervosa or the new um term what's the new term it used to be um ednos but now it's osved oh is it not ednos anymore it's not ednos anymore no they've changed it no oh. so just just as you get used to it they they move it around yeah um, so um and so that's really our brief is to assess yeah. whether you have a specific eating disorder or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you will meet with um, at least two members of the team initially, and that could be um, a nurse and a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. or it could be um, any combination really of, of um, the, our team. So yeah. in our team, we have nurses, uh, psychologists, family therapists, um, assistant psychologists, dietitians. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, what you would do is you would come and meet with our team. And according to um, what we felt your needs were that's how, that's how we would uh, allocate which whichever team member it was that, that should be in that assessment yeah um and so uh we do think about other areas as in if you know if if there are areas of anxiety or depression or low yeah. mood um or even if there are um other conditions such as um I don't know, hearing voices or those kind mm-hmm. of things. We will assess all of that quite thoroughly too and yeah. also assess the risk. Um, yeah. Now, with eating disorders, I guess risk is a twofold thing mm-hmm. because it's, we're also looking at um, risk from the point of view of 
um, are you a risk to yourself or to other people? Yeah. But also, um, we have to also think about physical risks. So, yeah. for instance, if your weight is very, very low mm-hmm. and there is a medical risk there, we have to quite thoroughly assess that. Yeah. And that's not something that um, I guess is 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 able to be done outside of the specialist teams mm-hmm. um, because um, that, that's quite um, that's quite a detailed um, specialist part of the assessment yeah. that we have to do. Yeah. Um, and I think when I went to my assessment, I was surprised that they, like, I just saw um, one person I just saw who mm. ended up being my nurse. Mm. But I saw her and she just asked me about my general life. She was just like, what do you enjoy? And like, and then she was like, um, is there, what's going on at home at the minute? And do you have a good relationship with your sister? Do you have a good, like, and there was a lot of broad things that I was, as well as, the whole eating questions, which mm-hmm. I did find daunting because eating disorders are secretive. Mm-hmm. So I think opening up about actually I do that and actually I do that. And my one thing is like, I would just recommend just be honest from the offset. If you do mm-hmm. secret exercises or you do certain behaviors, just say because they're not going to judge you and it's just going to make your treatment better like even if you're not completely open to recovery Mm. at the beginning Mm. um how would you go about getting someone if someone really is rejecting treatment it is really hard yeah but well i guess the one thing that we have to understand as a team is is because as you've just said eating disorders are so secretive Mm -hmm. and sometimes um you know the 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 secrets are so big that you haven't spoken potentially to anybody about it Mm -hmm. and then for us as a team to expect you to walk in spend two and a half hours with people that you've never met before and professionals within a clinic and a mental health service Mm -hmm. and for us to expect you to just comfortably come out with all of that and share it with somebody who you've never met before where maybe you haven't even shared that stuff with the with your closest relatives i think it's First off, I, I think it's it's really we need to understand and appreciate just how hard that is for you. Yeah, and I think not only that, but we also need to let you know that we know how hard that yeah. is. Yeah, because otherwise, um, you might be w- walking in with all of those kind of um, thoughts and fantasies about about us not understanding or mm-hmm. us not being aware of it. And so I think we we need to let you know that we kind of. We kind of know how difficult and tough yeah. it is for you to share that information. And you know that it's secretive and you know that there's going to be a barrier between you just saying things. Exactly, like, yeah. exactly. And I think what we what we tend to find is if we can let people know that we already know that without them mm-hmm. telling us, it's it's quite reassuring. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it, I guess the feedback that we get from young people is that, that they're quite surprised by just how much we know yeah. about their illness and just how much we get it and we understand it. Yeah. And I think that's the reason why eating disorders do need to come into a specific specialist eating disorders team because, yeah. um, you know, those of us that are in the teams have been working with eating disorders for a very, very, very long time and, yeah. we, and we get it and we understand yeah. it. And I think that's really key. Yeah, because I think as well with um, eating disorders and with any mental illness, specifically with me, I came in thinking, no, this is weird. No no one knows what's going on. No one has ever seen this. This is completely, no one's going to know what to do with me. They're going to be like, what is wrong with this girl? They're going to put me in a mental Mm. asylum. Mm. But it's not, you like you say, you're surprised by how much these people know and how much they understand. And I think that's where the trust then begins to form. Obviously you don't come in and offload Mm. completely, but you start to think actually oh god they do actually know this isn't like some weird thing that no one's ever heard of mm. um what about the actual 
food thing because I was so scared when I came in that I was just going to be force fed. They were going to completely be like, right, you have to eat all of this now. Or they're going to sit me there and eat and make me eat. I honestly, I thought maybe I'll go in and they'll make me eat. Um, what, what do, do, how do you go about the food thing? Like, <laughs> and that is the color question, isn't it? I guess, because, because I guess the, there are two things, there are two things with that. And it's quite, it's, and they're quite conflicting interests. I think the, the one, the one issue is, um, clearly if somebody is very, very underweight and they're not eating and they're restricting their calories and they're doing lots of activity and exercise, um, and they are driven to do that because of their fears and their worries and, and those those real fixed rigid rules that people can get. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, starting to eat is going to be terrifying, yeah. and there's no doubt about it. Eating eating when you're feeling that way is is the absolute one thing that you just desperately don't want to do. Yeah. But if you look at how that conflicts with what you need to do in order to keep yourself safe and to be well, mm-hmm. you have to start eating again. Yeah. And I think that that is where. I guess the difference comes between um, what you need mm-hmm. and and what you want. Because yeah. I guess what you want is you you want to not feel as horrible, but you don't want to eat yeah. in order to achieve that. Yeah. And I guess the reality is is that in order to achieve that, you need to eat. Yeah. And so, I guess it, it's kind of a it's a conflict that there isn't really no actual way of avoiding. Because if mm. we if we if we support you in not eating, what that means yeah. is then you are locked in that eating disorder and you just can't shift. Yeah. So it's about helping you to understand the nature of your illness. Mm-hmm. It's about helping you to understand that the reasons why you feel the way you are is because you're so underweight. Yeah, that's a, that's a massive thing. Yeah. And, <laughs> it's and so it's, big. And, and the one thing that you need to do in order to correct that is to start eating. It's like a catch-22. Like when you're underweight and not everyone that suffers from an eating disorder becomes underweight and that is understandable um but if you are even slightly your thinking is so off like you don't think straight at all and you're not gonna you're not gonna welcome treatment at all because you just think in different ways but like you say it's a it's a catch-22 you have to eat in order to realize that the way you feel about eating isn't right and you've hit on something really important there, with it, with, which is it's not all about low weight no. because actually it's about starvation. Mm. And I think starvation is the thing that produces the very tricky, the very tricky thoughts and feelings that you that you have. Mm-hmm. And I've met quite a few young people that are in a serious state of starvation. Yeah. Yet when you look at their, and we can have the whole conversation about BMIs and yeah, normal weights. Yeah. Um, but if, and if you look at their if you look at their their weight mm-hmm. they they could be described as being within that that healthy weight range but it's not the same it's, yeah it doesn't correlate no and, and i say healthy weight range in, in a very kind of in a loosest term because who knows what's a healthy weight range for anybody mm-hmm. i guess it's about what their healthy weight yeah. range should be yeah um and i suppose and so and so that's one of the things is is that it's understanding that even even though you are for some people at, at what seems to be a healthy weight mm-hmm. you can be in a serious state of starvation and the thinking can be very very difficult yeah yeah um also when i first went for my um assessment i was like i say i thought i was going to be force fed they were going to make me eat a three-course meal um a, like the first day mm. i was put on meal plans which were increased slowly and i did just feel like i didn't feel pressured mm. in any Obviously, there's the internal pressure of, oh, my God, they're going to make me eat. But 
there wasn't the pressure of, right, you're going to do that and then you're going to have to eat all of this. Not at all. And mm. it was very personalised to me when I met with my dietitian. Mm-hmm. Um, she asked, what do you like? And obviously that's a different, that's another tricky thing because you don't really want to <laughs> like anything. But Or you like everything. Or you like everything and you think, I just want... It's a very, very difficult thing because sometimes mm. you... I was a foodie before. I was a foodie before I had an eating disorder. So, but yeah, my dietitian was like, what do you want? What do you want me to put on your meal plan? What don't you like? Because we won't put it on. Um, And if she had a feeling, she was very good at reading me. And she had a feeling I liked something, but my eating disorder didn't like it. She'd just say, okay, next week, when I see you or in the next two weeks, we'll then think about that. So I had a warning as to when things were going to get, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, the the meal plans I was given time to increase and if I hadn't quite hit one and I was meant to be going on to the next one Sophie who I saw would be like okay just stay on that for a few days make sure you hit it and then go up so it was very it wasn't just like a right let's just refeed this person it was and I, and I guess that worked for you yeah yeah but oh I, yeah but I guess the, the reality is is there are some young people out there that um if they're given any level of a choice with regard to their mm. meal plan, then the eating disorder just jumps in and goes, no. This isn't happening. <laughs> yeah. Yes. If, you're, if, you're, if they're asking you to make a choice, then I'm going to make the choice for you. And mm. a lot of young people tell, tell us in, in retrospect, in, uh, yeah. when they're reflecting on their treatment, that sometimes being given the choice was actually quite tricky because they weren't yeah. in that position to make it. That's and a so, good point. Uh, and so for some, you for some depending on how we assess their eating disorder to mm-hmm. be and and that in itself is quite tricky because you almost have to view the eating disorder as something separate to them yeah um and a, a separate entity that has has thoughts and and, and emotions and gets angry and, yeah. and bullies mm-hmm. and um i guess there are plenty of young people out there that come to our specialist service that have got such a such a loud violent and aggressive yeah. bullying eating disorder mm-hmm that what we have to do is be very prescriptive mm-hmm. and say, no, this is what needs to happen. And we're yeah. putting your parents in charge of that. Yeah. So treatments, um, it, uh, you're right. And I think the one thing you're talking about, the whole the whole crux of it is treatment does need to be individualized. Yeah. But it needs to be on the basis of, of what the young person needs as well as yeah. what they want. Because sometimes what if they we want go, is exactly. skewed. <laughs> if we go with what they want yeah. um, and, and sometimes we give them the choice, then that, that sometimes can, can be quite difficult. So yeah. it's balancing out, I guess. Yeah. What do you need right now? And what do you want? Let's see if we can let's see if we can find somewhere in the middle. Yeah. But there is, but we need to focus on what you need as well. Yeah. And that's all about the risk assessment as well, that physical risk mm-hmm. assessment that we always have to do with young yeah. people that come to our service. And I think another uh, just a initial thing that to establish, like you mentioned, when you are starting eating disorder treatment is from the patient's point of view and the um nurses or whoever you see this is a separate thing from you. It doesn't feel like it. It feels like the right thing. It feels like you. Yes. It feels like the right thing. You're yeah. so set in your ways. You're like, no, I know that to be true. Yeah. You have to just trust that this is not you. This is completely separate. Um, deal And deal with it in mm. that way, actually. Deal with it as this isn't me and this is an enemy. Mm. Feels like a friend mm. isn't so much of a friend. And mm. you do, I think gradually you just start to realise that. But sometimes that can be really mind blowing to tell somebody. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it can also feel like all of oh my god, somebody's actually telling me that I'm possessed. That there's something inside oh, yeah. me here that that is thinking and and, and making choices for mm-hmm. me. But I think 
initially uh, most of the time when that when after that initial fear subsides mm-hmm. i think that then helps the young person to come alongside their parents in mm-hmm. order to then fight the eating disorder yeah and so three it can be three people against the eating disorder or however many are in mm-hmm. the family as opposed to that person that young person just feeling as if this is me yeah actually i'm to blame for this yeah look at, look at the misery i'm causing yeah and but so taking think, that away yes. is so much easier mm. and i think as well when you go through treatment that person, the person distances from you. That's the way I visualized it. At the beginning, it was like me and this person, my eating disorder, mm. were aligned. You mm. couldn't see between, you couldn't see that there was a difference. Yeah. But as you go through therapy, I would say that it just slowly comes apart from you and distances itself. And sometimes mm. it takes a couple of steps back towards you mm. and then it feels more intense. But the whole process is just distancing this eating disorder from you. Mm-hmm. It might still be in your brain telling you things, mm-hmm. but just being like, that's not that's not what I think anymore. That's mm. just a reminder, you mm. know? Um, and I think once, once you, like you say, once you do actually take on board, actually, yeah, this is a different person for me. And actually, no, I don't like this person. Mm. They tell me what to do. They make me feel a certain way. They, mm. that's when progress starts to happen. And like mm. you say, you, you switch sides almost. You're like, I don't like this anymore. Mm. <laughs> um, you've been through the eating disorder circus mm-hmm. and camps. I guess, and you've come out, you've, you've very thankfully, you've come out the other yeah, end of it. Yeah, I'm discharged now. I mean, what would your, I didn't know that. Well done. Did, oh yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess, so what would, if you could give one piece of advice to any young person starting treatment in the eating disorders team, what would it be? As difficult as it is, and as much as you think they're doing the exact thing you don't want to do, and you just think, why would I listen to them? Just trust them. And when they give you the meal plans and when they tell you to do stuff, just try your hardest just to trust it. And even if you don't know why, when I was, when I was at the beginning, I was like, I don't know what to do. And I, kept, I would always say to my dad, actually, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And he was like, just trust the plan, trust the meal plan, trust what they're telling you, just trust them. And it will all make everything better. Your life is going to, you won't have this mess in your brain of what am I supposed to do? Just trust them. And it's so, so difficult when they're making you do the one thing that you don't want to do, but you just have to remember that, they're doing this to make your life better, not yeah, worse. Yeah. It feels difficult at the moment. It's going to be difficult. Mm. Like appreciate that it will be difficult, but mm. it's so worth it. Mm. And you wouldn't believe if you just listen for, even if you're so defiant, just listen, just listen, trust it. And slowly you'll get to a place, like I'm at a place now where I was completely consumed when I first came. Mm. Mm. I was like, no, I don't really want to do this. You just get to a place where like you're, I, I, I don't think about it. I don't think about it anymore and I never thought I'd see the day where I don't think about it. No. So, yeah, just just trust them as difficult as it is and trust in the plan. Just follow the plan. Just follow the plan and everything will get better. Good. But, yeah. Trust. Trust. I don't know how many times you said trust in that last trust. sentence, but I think just it's trust right. Them. I think, I think in essence, and, it's, and it's the one thing that's the hardest thing mm, to do is to yeah. trust what we're saying to you because it just sounds so wrong. Even if it's blind trust. Yeah. Think, and you think, why am I trust? Just do it. Just cool. do it. <laughs> but, yeah. And I think that's a really good place to end. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. You've been listening to CAMS Talk, brought to you by the Luton and Bedford CAMS team and the Luton and Bedford Service User Participation Group. If you'd like to hear more from us, just go over to camstalk.com and subscribe. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts or any other podcast platform that you're using. Once you've subscribed you'll get a notification sent to your device every time we release a new episode. If you want to comment or share your views, 
you can contact us on Twitter using at CamsTalk. One last thing, don't forget to use hashtag CamsTalkPodcast whenever you comment on social media. Speak to you soon.